today is not something we've done before. I did mention salvation service. You remember last year we had this big cross. We put push pins on there. Well, this is a lot different. And um, I want to share with you, uh, before I read the scripture, where this all came from. I I know it's from the heart of God, but I also want you to know that um, it came from a book I was listening to. The district pastors are doing a a book study on it. And... um, it's called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. What an unpleasant title. But they went through all these churches that have closed and found out what things they were not doing and what they were focusing on that made them gradually decline until they ended up closing the doors. And one of those things that I read was, um, or uh, that they said, excuse me, was that one of the churches began to decline and almost all the other ones because they stopped praying together. They stopped praying as a church for each other. Stopped praying for one another and praying for the community and praying for the lost and the broken. And they stopped doing that. And so one church was questioned um, what kind of prayer did they do with each other. And this one church says, well, Wednesday we'd have a meal and uh, we'd pray before we ate together. And they said, well, say more about that. And they had one person who would write a list of people who needed prayer. And then before they ate, they would say, dear God, we want to lift up these people. They'd read the names and say, amen. And then they'd eat. And that was the entirety of the entire church's prayer together. And they said that was the only time they prayed for each other or the community or the unsaved or those who were hurting, and that was it. But there was no intentionality in prayer in the church. And when I heard that, it cut to my heart, and I said, God, we can't go with that pattern in our church. We need to pray more intentionally. And this season of Lent, God put it on my heart after I listened to that book that we need to be a church at prayer. And so that's the reason for the change in tonight's service in addition to the message, a time of prayer. And this morning, and I have some things for you, and I'm going to go ahead and we're going to pass these out before the message starts. The first one is a half sheet called uh, Pleading for the Lost. And on this sheet, this is going to be a take home, okay? It's going to be six names of people who you know do not believe in Jesus or God. Uh, Six different people, and there's scriptures on there, you can pray over them. And it shows you very clearly how to do this. If you're not sure um, where this is from, I can tell you. The the man who led our revival came up with this. And uh, I picked it up from him. And I'm sharing it with you. So during every day till Easter Sunday, I'm going to ask you to write six things down on here and pray for them every day till Easter Sunday morning. And those six names, there's a reason I'm asking you for them. Uh, and you can write them down either after service or during uh, if you have a way to do so. But I don't want you to delay on this. I believe God's going to do some great work through us. The second thing that uh, he's handing out is a call a Lenten Commitment Card. The Lenten Commitment Card is a card I developed for us. And there are three categories. You're going to hear these three categories in the sermon as well. The categories are prayer for others, prayer for our church, and prayer for ourself. And I have a few different things there 
and the others, that's where you can put names of people who are either needing emotional healing, dealing with anxiety, depression, broken heart. Uh, they are unsaved. They may need mental healing. They have mental illness. Some may need a physical healing. Some may have a broken home. This card, which you're going to receive, has lines on it for names. And a particular struggle, if you want to put it next to the name for four, if you can fit them there, four people's first name, unless you want to put last, that's entirely up to you, and what their struggle is. The second category is church, that's this church. Now, this church is, has under it church vision and my church commitment. Now, the church vision is we're talking about what we believe God wants us to do. We've been talking about it since Vision Sunday about reaching the community through various different methods. And my church commitment, it doesn't mean am I committed to church, it's what am I willing to do during this season to pray for the church? What am I willing to do to help the church, to pray about those things? And one of those things I'm going to ask you to pray about is I've been contemplating when we get the basketball court done and we do a three-on-three tournament, it's going to take a minimum of 10 people on campus at all times to make that happen. So that means there may be a couple of shifts on that day uh, in the future. But are, are you willing to either commit to being a part of that or considering it, praying about that, or helping anyway prayerfully or financially or time-wise when this project gets underway? So that's what I mean by commitment. What are you willing to commit yourself to? And on the bottom it says myself or self. And it says gratitude, Lenten sacrifice. If you have something you're doing for Lent, that's where that goes. Uh, if you have a need for repentance, a secret sin you've been keeping, or any personal needs. But also something, the gratitude is something you're very thankful God has done. It says to tear that part off. That also is where you'll write the things on the top half. Because the top half, above that dotted line, we're going to nail it across today. The bottom half is going to remind you what you committed to pray for that you put on the cross. Okay? Do we have any questions so far? I'm, I'm just throwing this out here before I begin the message because I, I want this to be clear before we start things. Now you know what the hammer's for. And you know what the nails are for. And so there's going to be opportunity at the end of the service for you to take, after you've torn your part off, to remind you what your top part said and the things that you're committed to God for as a reminder to you. I'm going to encourage you, if you don't want anybody to see what you wrote in the top half, go ahead and fold it over and then nail it onto the cross. But if you want others to pray for those people, to pray for those needs and that commitment you're making to the church and to see that, you do not have to put your name on it. But if you want other people to pray for it, we're going to come to that cross on Sunday evenings. We're going to look at those that are open faced with the prayer requests facing outward. And we're going to pray over those on every Sunday until Easter. We're going to pray over those, okay? We're going to bathe this in prayer. And we, I expect God to do a great work here. And so I know we did this before with the cross and we saw several people get healed and restored and, and a, a salvation. But I believe God wants to do this in a very intentional way and we want to see a miracle here. Lots of them. And I believe this will open that door. So, um, if you don't have a pen to write with, I think there's still some in the basket in the, in the, in the narthex there at the entry. I, I know that there was at one time. 
So if you need a pen or something to write with, I'm asking everybody to do this, and there's a reason why. Because if you're not committed to your relationship with Jesus Christ, to the church, to growing the kingdom of God, then what we're doing here, and what you're doing here, is saying, I'm just attending, but I'm not active. And that's the same thing as saying, I don't have a part in the work of God yet. And so this is what it's asking, is what are you willing to commit to, and what are you willing to pray for? Start with prayer. Start where you're at, and move forward. Some people can put a lot of stuff on there that they're committed to. Some people got to start with, I'm going to pray every day. Some people are going to say, I'm going to read that Lenten devotional. Is there commitment? <clears throat> Whatever it is, put something on there. Start where you're at. Start small. Start where you're at. Start big if you can do it. But by all means, let this be between you and God. But if you want us, like I said, if you want us to pray for the things you've written, we're going to put this on the cross face out. And those will be prayed for. And if you want to be prayed for by name, then go ahead and put your name on there as a request as well. It's okay. We'll definitely pray for you if you have a broken heart or, or anything that you need prayer for. And then we'll pray for you, okay? How many of you would love to see answers to all these things? Amen. How many? Amen. Would you like to see God move in a great way here? This is where it starts. Prayer. And I'm convinced of that. And so we're going to pray together and uh, we're going to do this when we do communion. It's going to be a different kind of communion. And I'm going to explain to you why. And normally there's music playing during communion and not today. What you're going to hear are nails being pounded into the cross. If that doesn't help you remember what communion's all about, I don't know what will. All right. We're in James chapter 5. That introduction has got to be a good sermon behind it somewhere, right? <laughs> I sure hope so. That's my prayer. It is chapter 5. We're in verses 9 through 11. I invite you to stand for the reading of the Word. James chapter 5, verse 9 says this, and going forward, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Last Sunday, we began talking about perspectives on patience, on how to endure, and we talked about the different words for patience. <laughs> I really like um, the word hupomone, the one beginning in the first part of the book of James where it talks about enduring difficult or trying circumstances. In the first part of chapter 5, it uses the word uh, patience again, but that's for enduring difficult people. 
Maybe you've had to endure some difficult circumstances and maybe it was because of difficult people. I'm not real sure what that is for you, but when those difficult circumstances and difficult people walk into your life and begin to stir things up or you get stirred up because of difficult circumstances, this is a point where we learn whether or not God has given us the fruit of the Spirit called patience or whether or not we are patient. And I, I really love this, these just a couple verses out of James because of what he says. Last week we talked about, in verse 7 and 8, that one of the perspectives on patience is we anticipate that Jesus Christ will come and that He is coming and always be prepared. And so we need to be patient waiting for His coming. Today we cover the other five perspectives about patience that help us. And the first one is found in verse 9. And that one is that we recognize God's judgment is true and is coming and is real. So we need to be patient even though things seem out of kilter and things aren't working right because God is at hand. He knows, He sees, He understands. He's at the door. He's ready. And so we must patiently wait for God's justice even when this world seems grossly unjust or unjust. Because we've suffered injustices and our world does constantly. But to patiently endure them. And, the, and the, when he says here to uh, be patient, which we find uh, in uh, verse 10, that word patient is actually a verb. And that one means everything that you need to be patient about. Not just people, not just circumstances, but a patience that goes above and beyond people and circumstances. Why? The first reason is because you know that God will set things right even in injustices and unrighteousness and He will bring it to pass. And so if you can patiently wait for God's judgment, then your patience can endure. That's one of the perspectives to help you be patient. The next one is in verse 10. And it says to follow the Lord's servants or their example. It says, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Now, you've heard of Job, uh, the suffering prophet Jeremiah, all those things that he wrote, the lamentations, uh, all the things that the prophets did. And here's what Scripture says about the prophets. Are you ready for this? All of them suffered persecution. And if you read through Jeremiah's story, he's, he's the only prophet that I know of at that time whose words are definitely recorded. But not only are they recorded, they're also the words of the Lord that people rejected. And Israel ended up in captivity because they would not heed the word of the Lord. Now, you understand, Jeremiah was persecuted for following God and speaking God's truth even when it was uncomfortable. If you remember the prophet Balaam, he was paid to prophesy against Israel and he couldn't do it. He even told him, he said, no matter what you tell me to do, I will do what the Lord says. And he suffered persecution at the end from that king. If you follow God's way, God's will, and God's word in your life, there is going to be some kickback from people who do not want to hear it or who are resistant. Unbelievers or or agnostics or Gnostics will say, 
you know, I don't know if there's God or not. And they're going to have that mindset because they think through things differently and they see God differently. There are those who don't believe in Jesus at all and think that He's just was a prophet or a man, but He's no longer with us. These folks are going to tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. And they will be very convincing because they believe what they're saying. But you can believe what you're saying and it be 100% against the truth of God. We have deep-seated beliefs in our own lives that we need to look at during this season of Lent and say, God, whatever is there that is unpleasing to you, I ask you to show it to me and help me move it out of my life. Whatever that might be, I'm willing. I want you to do that work in me so that I can be a pleasing unto you and follow your will without excuse, without regret, without looking back and saying, I wish I would have done things differently with God. But the prophets, every last one of them, even the Son of God was rejected by the church. The temple leaders murdered the Son of God thinking they were doing God a favor. Disrupting the church, not good. The temple needs to go on. You're disrupting the way things are. You can't upset the apple cart of God and get away with it. Man's logic always produces man's results. It's true. So you see, if you think, well, you know, if I just kind of just do this at the right time in the right place and not stand up for Jesus Christ in all areas of my life, then I won't have to worry about suffering persecution. I won't have to worry about whether or not people say I'm offending them or not. I'm, I'm serious about being offended when other people say they're offended when you share Jesus Christ. Just say simply this. You'll be more offended when you find out what I'm saying is true if I didn't share it. And I'm more offended by the fact that we think that it's okay for others to tell us that we can't share Jesus Christ. I'm actually livid that we think others dictate our response about Jesus Christ to them. There is no way this world is allowed to dictate your faith or your testimony. If you don't feel comfortable telling about Jesus, tell Him what He did for you. Your testimony is true. Your word is sure because you know God did it. And when you speak it, there's confidence and conviction that people say, wow, I wish I had that conviction. And they'll want to hear more. Or they may shut you down. But either way, they will not be impartial to what you say and dismissive. They will say, I don't want to hear it or I'm not ready to hear that or please don't tell me about that and say, well, I've already shared it and here I am and I'm still standing for that truth. You don't have to make excuses for that. So that is the promise and the profit of following their examples in verse 10. In verse 11a, it says, We count them blessed who endure. I, I could preach a whole sermon on that sentence. We count them blessed who endure. And I, I love that. And maybe you don't catch the whole thing about that. But this is understanding the Lord's blessing. That's a perspective on patience. Is understanding God's blessing. It isn't the people who do these great big things that are blessed. It's those who endure through all things. 
unto the end to be saved and guarantee a witness by what they've done and enduring and suffering. Sometimes persecution and very uncomfortable circumstances. And I share this with you because we don't often think about the blessing of endurance. We think about the blessing of people who are making a difference. Look what they're doing to change the kingdom. But look at the ones who are in silence, suffering, but also enduring and carrying forth the kingdom of God and not getting credit for it, but waiting for the day God recognizes that they endured to the end. They're blessed. The prophets were sawn in half. Daniel was thrown in a lion's den. Do you understand that God brought some people through? Some people lived in caves. Some people walked around in sheepskin and walked around as nomads halfway out of their mind because the world would not accept them. But they would rather suffer for a little while to endure to the end for the promise from God that comes later. Those are the ones we consider blessed. You look at Hebrews chapter 11, you'll see a litany of heroes of the faith who endured. Endured. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We love to talk about the three men in the fiery furnace. And I heard someone talking about that recently. And what they said was that some men were uh, Roman soldiers, or if you will, under Nebuchadnezzar, I think Babylonian soldiers, that were throwing these men into that fiery furnace. But before they threw them in, King Nebuchadnezzar's anger was Heightened, And he said, make the furnace seven times hotter. It was so hot that the soldiers who had bound these men and were dragging them into the furnace were burnt to death. And yet these guys were not. And they would not bow. Even in the face of a burning fire. John Huss, maybe you've heard his story in the early goings of the church. He was a martyr, burned at the stake, called a heretic because he proclaimed Jesus and saved by grace alone and no other way. They burned him at the stake saying, this will shut him up. And they did not shut him up. He said, I love Jesus. He's my soul, my salvation, my joy. And he sang with joy as the flames licked his body and burnt and it drowned out his voice. But he went down singing. The blood of the martyrs and those who endure speak to us today. Enduring, those who endure will be blessed. Oh, I'm good at sprinting. I'm real good at doing devotions for a few days, reading the Bible faithfully a few days, and then I quit. Oh, we get all excited. And for Lent, we go, I can do this 40 days and we make six. Or I can do this for uh, every day and we forget. Because we're not good at endurance. That's why we're blessed if we endure. Because we're consistent and faithful over the long haul. And God knows He can call on us in any circumstance. Because we will endure persecution and continue. We don't give up. We keep going as we said last week. So that is understanding the Lord's blessing. That gives you the presence and the promise of the reward if you endure. And the next and fifth or the fourth one today, but the fifth perspective on patience is to realize God's purpose for your life. 
That's found also in verse 11. And it says, You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end that was intended by the Lord. Oh, goodness. If you don't know the story of Job, I'm going to make it simple. Satan came up to the throne room and said, You're serving Job. I bet I can make him fall. And God said, there's none other like him. You won't be able to do it. And Satan says, that's because you've given him all these blessings. Comfort, family, wealth. Take it all away and see if he doesn't curse you. And God looked at Satan and he said, do anything you want to him, but don't kill him. Preserve his life. And he went through the loss of so many things. And in the midst of it, he said, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. And I know I will see my Lord, my Savior. I know He lives. I know He lives. Even though He take it all away, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. It's all from Him. And Job was an example. But at the end of the story, after this time and season, God restores to him double for all the things he went through. Now, it's a great story. It sounds like... Um, that he endured and he was faithful as God intended him for him to be. And then he restored it all. But listen to what James said. That when Satan came to God and said, This man, I can make him curse you so he will die and not be a part of it. And God said, or, or purpose according to James, that I intend to build Job up by making him a subject, if you will, to those sufferings and persecutions, I intend to make him stronger at the end to show that nothing will dissuade him from me and I can bless him with even more. And so, what we hear then is God's purpose is to bless us beyond belief if we will just endure beyond understanding. That makes sense? To realize God has a purpose through what you're going through to get you where He wants you to go that you don't know. God knew when Satan asked for that what He wanted to do for Job, but Job was faithful. God knows what He wants to do in your life if you're faithful. If you'll keep it up and endure and be patient and keep going and keep going and keep going. God says, i got something in mind for you, but you got to get there. I will reward you greatly. But be patient and wait for it and keep enduring until that time. So realize God's purpose. And then the last perspective for patience is the last part of verse 11. It says, the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And that's why we're patient, because God is compassionate and merciful. But, but we miss this verse because the word compassionate is spread throughout Scripture. And the word merciful is spread throughout Scripture. So we think it's the same word. But in the book of James, James coins this word translated compassionate. There is no other place in Scripture, New Testament or Old, no other place in Greek writings where this word is used. James has come up with a church upward. <laughs> kind of like. He coins this phrase. And this word has such a powerful meaning when once you get it. 
And in the Greek, it sounds like many bowels. And you go, oh, great, God has many bowels. But you, you don't understand what Greek understanding of that phrase is. When Jesus groaned at the death of Lazarus and wept, it says that he groaned. The word there was splagnizo. It means in deep down. Way down. He hurt way down. The place where when you're grieving a loss or a brokenness or a hurt, Jesus had that at the death of Lazarus and he wept because he's compassionate like that. And that was for Lazarus and the people around him. But here's what James says. God has many places like that in himself. He has many places of compassion. Many deeper places where He can go with you the hurt and the pain of life and go deeper with you to that place where compassion, it touches Him so deeply that He grieves when you grieve. And He hurts for you. And He wants you to come alongside Him because He's come alongside you in the dark and scary places of life where it hurts so much. This is the stuff where He says, Endure, I'm going to be with you. I know what you're going through. I've been there with you. I know how you feel. And I feel it deeply. And there's more to your pain coming if you'll just endure. There's a brighter day coming because I'm also merciful in many ways that you don't know. God has mercy that we don't understand. Because when we see merciful here, we think, well, God's merciful just like you know, other people are merciful. But this is not that word. This is the word that says God has mercies that are undiscoverable. There are so many and it goes so deep down. It's the same mercy that the cross covered to cover the entire world's sin. That kind of mercy for each of us. We need that. Would you agree? Yet we're so afraid to go to those places because they're so painful. And yet God says, I know how those places formed and I know how they hurt you and I'm able to go there and grieve with you. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it, that God can do that? Well, I want to share something with you and and I, I pray, I pray this helps you today. I've got three nails. I didn't show you three. I showed you one. I have three. Significant in that that's the number of nails that held Christ to the cross. And I was uh, praying this morning before service. And he showed me something about that. And I, and I, I actually did something I've never done before. And he said, this is what I'm trying to show you. I, I, every Sunday morning, I, I don't. I'm not saying this to tell you that it's like, you know, special or anything. But we have what's called the prophets' oil at our prayer table here. And every Sunday morning, I, I put it on my forehead, and I always do the heaven to earth, as far as east is to the west. This morning, I do that. And I don't know what drew it, but I went from earth to heaven, and as far as the east is. To the west is to the east. And I said, oh God, I just did that. I said, no, no, listen. You need to know that earth can reach heaven. And as far as east is from the west, is from the west, is from the east. 
that I can reach those places because of my cross outstretched, that I've reached as far as I need to reach any direction in your life, and from the brokenness of the earth to the joy of heaven, which you may not know because you're still broken down there, I'm going to lift you up one day because of my mercy and compassion. And so, so as I was seeking the Lord on that, I said, uh, well, then, what do you want me to do? And he said, first of all, I want you to get people to pray for other people. That's one hand. That's your left hand. It's your heart hand. It's where you reach out. It's where you hold. Your right hand also is your hand of strength, but your left hand is closest to your heart. And so your left hand is the places in your life where Christ can reach others through you. If you'll pray for them. So this morning, the left hand of Christ for others. The right hand of Christ, the hand of strength, is where you give up your strength and accept His. That you'll be seated at His right hand side as His helper. But also the one next to Him. And you're seated to see the power with Him. But in the right hand you're saying, I choose your will over mine. And so Jesus is saying, I give for others. Father, your will, not mine. And so when we pray today, and you come to the communion altar, I'm asking you to pray that not your will be done, but God's. And so we pound the cross nail, saying, my will is being hammered up here. And it sure would be remiss if we didn't have the third nail. The third nail is the hope nail. Oh, how I can understand John the Baptist's statement when he said, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes on his feet. And Jesus is saying, you're worthy to come to me. That you're able to come. That you're more than welcome here. And so we're going to nail to the cross at His feet our connection to the world and whatever tells us we can't be there. And say, I'm coming, Lord, because you said so. Not because I think I can't, but because you said I can. And so if you have any attachments or beliefs that you think Jesus isn't necessary, isn't strong enough, or you think that all this uh, religion and Christianity just doesn't work for you, then I'm going to ask you to nail that down today. Put that in your self column and say, I'm giving up my biases that are unscriptural. Whatever that may be, repent from those attitudes that have kept you from fully experiencing God. Because what happens is Jesus' feet touched the earth. And this world is not holy ground. Until His feet touch it. He makes all things new.
do communion in just a moment, and, and I promise you, if you will do this the way I ask you to do it today, this could be very powerful for you. God has an intended end for us as a church. And sometimes we have to go through trials and tribulations to get there. And I believe God's wanting us to begin to move in that direction in a way that we've never done before. To focus directly on what he said and let other distractions be set aside. And so with your Lenten commitment card, I'm going to ask you, if you haven't yet done so, to bring it forward when you come for communion. We have the wafers and the little cups. And I'm going to encourage you to take it off the table, the wafer and the cup, and take it over to where the cross is. Do your business at the cross and then partake. If you feel like you should partake and then do your business at the cross, do so. But put the card on there, like I said, facing out. If you want us to pray for those things and see it. If not, cover it over. Fold it in half and put it on there. And we won't we won't go. It's between you and God. And the bottom half is for you to take home and remember the commitment you made today. And the people you want to pray for. It's very simple to do. But it's also very meaningful, I think, for the life of this church. And so, this morning, as we remember communion... I don't think it's difficult for me to share with you this message. You see, on the night which Christ was to be betrayed, he gathered with his friends and he took bread and he broke it. I can't imagine what was going through his mind when he saw the sixty-day body. But he also knew that this was for the transformation of us, the world. And he said, take me to all of you, as often as you will, and remember what I'm doing here tonight. And so we do, when we say this is the body of Christ. And then after the supper, still with the disciples, ready to pour out the new cup. It's the Messiah cup. The one they said, he's coming. Jesus said, this is no longer that cup. It's the cup of the fulfillment of the Messiah. The cup of the new covenant I establish with you tonight. And now let me say this. Today, God establishes a new covenant with you through this cup. Forgiveness of sin, a new covenant for mercy, transformation, healing, renewal, restoration, transformation. Because God has chosen us as his beloved, to receive the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And he said to them, Take him as often as you will and drink, for this is my blood, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Take him drink as often as you will, and do this in remembering why I've done what I've done tonight. And so this is the blood we bless in the name of Jesus.
I'm going to tell you how long you take to do this. This is between you and God. It's your commitment to Him, not to me, not to the church. Between you and God, between you and Jesus. And whatever you write on that card, if you want it private, make it so. If you want it public and you want us to pray with it, make it so. But this is still between you and God. I'm going to be doing the same thing you're doing. I'm going to encourage you to do that. These are where the cups are. If you need help having the nail in, I'm going to go over there. If you need help getting your cup and the bread, I'm going to ask my wife to stand here to help anybody who needs to get that. And I'm going to encourage you to come here and partake of it over there. Okay? There will be nails uh, by the cross and hammers. Two sets of hammers can go at the same time if need be. And I ask you to do that and pray where you need to pray. If you want to come back over here and pray, but whatever you do, just listen that the things you're nailing to the cross, and as you partake in communion, you're also hearing the nails of others who do the same thing. Because this is what put him on the cross with our broken world. And today we're saying, God, I'm a part of the solution. I'm a part of the transformation. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I ask you before I'm your spirit upon us, God, I hear that you help us to be the ones who are patiently enduring, whether it's people or circumstances, issues or answerless things. I ask that your grace be strength and multiplied today. I ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here, that we would be the body of Jesus Christ, that you pour out your Spirit upon the fruit of the grape and the bread that be for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, as we gather in this place, I've also put a crown of thorns on the prayer rail to remind us that Jesus Christ suffered from head to toe, that there was not a thing or